Hi, and welcome to Suited Up, a positive podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Carly Grabber. Today, I'm joined by Christina Matisic. Christina is a public relations consultant who specializes in design, consumer goods, food and beverage, and lifestyle sectors. Christina has been working in the media for over two decades, first as a news reporter and anchor, then as an award-winning TV host and producer, and now as a public relations expert and social media consultant with extensive experience on all sides of the PR equation. Some of the clients she's worked with include Allaire Homes, IDS Vancouver, Coast Appliances, Virtuous Pie Restaurants, Bow House Restaurant, Shop West 4th Avenue, and the BCSBCA. Her work in the media as a reporter, a producer, a published author, and a magazine writer has taught her what makes a good story how to pitch it creatively and effectively, and how to tell it in a way that makes journalists take notice. In addition to being a lifelong storyteller, Christina's 20-plus year career in front of the camera helps her prepare clients for TV appearances, interviews, and public speaking engagements. Her track record as a consumer expert also gives her unique insight into branding, social media, product development, and consumer behavior. Christina is an avid animal advocate and has worked with the BC SBCA for many years as a spokesperson for their annual Treat Week campaign. She's also an actor who performs in locally shot TV shows, movies, and commercials. In her spare time, Christina explores her creative side on her popular fashion-focused Instagram page. There, she shares fashion, beauty, and lifestyle tips and recommendations for women of all ages. And I am thrilled to have her on the podcast with me today. Hi, Christina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Um, Yeah, this is so awesome. I mean, like you were just saying, like perfect thing to do on a rainy COVID day. Exactly. Because the options, you know, these days are endless. So um, this is an excellent option at any time, but especially now. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, well said. I really admire your career and it's a really fascinating career to me because in many respects, you've had multiple careers and have been tremendously successful in all of them. So to (laughs) love that reaction, I would argue yes. Um, But to start, I wanted to ask you, was there anyone in your life who was a mentor to you and demonstrated that you could have more than one career? I don't, there wasn't anybody per se that demonstrated that you could have more than one career, but I definitely always looked up to my mother and her career. She's a doctor and worked, you know, from the time I was little and always instilled in me that I needed to take care of myself, that nobody was going to take care of me. Don't rely on anyone. Don't expect anyone to. So But also at the same time, she always would say, you can be whatever you want to be. So as long as you, and I don't care what that is, as long as you work hard at it and be, you know, be the best that you can be, that's great with me. So I really, you know, carried that with me my whole life. And very much so the first part is like, I need to take care of myself. I need to keep going. I need to make money. I need to support myself, uh, which I have done. So yeah, she very much 
was a mentor in that way. I do have another colleague that I worked with on shopping bags and actually on Anna Christina's grocery bag as well, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit, two TV shows that I did. And she was a director and producer in sort of the reality lifestyle space. And she's a little bit older than I am. Her name is Heather Hawthorne Doyle. <laughs> because I'll send this to her. And um, I was always inspired by her, especially right now, because she just recreated herself and reinvented herself as a director in TV and film. So she's directing like movies and you know, started doing that when she was 50 odd years old. She just persevered and I just love those kinds of stories and seeing those kinds of successes that you can reinvent yourself, you can change at any time, at any age. That's such a good message. And I feel like I think a lot of people are kind of looking at this pandemic right now and feeling pretty down because it is causing a lot of unwanted career changes. But that's what is so nice about having this conversation with you is that there is a tremendous amount of joy that can come from that. And it can be a really great adventure, which I will get into more in this podcast. <laughs> but you did start your professional career as a news anchor. And how did that opportunity arise to become a producer of your own TV show? Was that a natural transition or was it a bit of a grind to get your first uh, pitch greenlit? Just to clarify, I didn't actually start as a news anchor. I started okay. as, well, an overnight news anchor. That was my first job in TV. I hosted the overnight news breaks from midnight until 9 a.m. in the morning by myself for a year, wow. which was so much fun. <laughs> but it got me in the door at that on what's now Global TV. It was called UTV then. Uh, and I worked my way up from um, that to being a reporter, uh, being a producer there, and then being the news anchor. But no, it was not like a direct line to having your own TV show by any stretch. I met my then partner at Global TV, Anna Walner, and um, I mean, we weren't that young. We were in our early 30s and we were like, we should have our own show. We could have our own show, right? Come on, we can do this. How hard could it be? So it was actually harder than we thought. <laughs> but we both ended up quitting Global TV in order to pursue this dream of having our own TV show, hosting it and producing it. And it took about a year and a half to get off the ground. And we hustled and pitched and didn't take no for an answer and tried it every which way to make it happen until it finally did. And yes, we were very lucky. I think it's harder to get your own TV show right now than it was then. But yeah, it was hard. It was hard. It was a lot of work. But fortunately, it paid off. Yeah, no kidding. And so you did just mention that you both kind of had this idea, we should have our own TV show. But where when did the idea like where did that stem from? Was it just in a conversation where the kind of the light bulb turned on? Well, we were having coffee one afternoon working at Global TV and in the newsroom. And I especially wasn't that happy there. Not anything wrong with the particular place. It was the job that wasn't the right fit for me. And um, she was looking for something else too, or a different new challenge. And we were like, okay, let, we, we should do a TV show. No problem. What, what should it be about? <laughs> That's probably the first thing we need to answer. And in, and 
you know, the saying is do what you love. And one thing we really liked doing was shopping, but we didn't want it to be, you know, a completely frivolous show. Obviously we wanted to use some of that journalistic know-how and research and interview skills that we had acquired in the newsroom and apply it to a show about shopping. So we developed the show where we were smart consumers and investigating products and asking questions and testing things to find out what the best product was for your money. And I, you have to realize that then, I mean, it's not that long ago, but it was, you know, early aughts um, that there weren't as many resources to look up, you know, which is the best fridge. Um, in fact, I think there was one website or there was Consumer Reports that's been around for a really long time. And then there was some other random website, but there wasn't a lot of information. There wasn't user generated reviews back then. So we like it was actually an, an opportunity that we were going to test products and put them through the paces and then select which one you know was the best out of these five or these 10. So it was, it was definitely an idea at the right time. We didn't know, like we weren't so cognizant of that, um, that sort of 2020 vision now, or is that what it's called? <laughs> Looking yeah, back. 2020 yeah. vision. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we weren't, we didn't go in with it with that attitude, but looking back now, I, in hindsight, that's what I was going to say. In hindsight, it was a really good idea at the time mm. that worked for that time. Yeah. No, that sounds very very relevant. And it's interesting that now you have such a prominent Instagram page. And in many ways, there's that similarity of like doing reviews and giving people recommendations. It's it's interesting how it all kind of one weaves into the next. Yeah. Um, but for people who aren't super familiar with how TV sets work and, and the different responsibilities of the crew, can you elaborate a little bit on what the responsibility is of a producer? That's a very good, big question. And a lot of, there are a lot of different kinds of producers. And I think that's where people get confused, especially when they're not in the business and sometimes when you're in the business. So a producer, start at the top, like an executive producer is the one who kind of gets the project off the ground. They, you know, do the pitching, they have the contacts, uh, they, Probably like in a film, for example, they, they get these the stars, they have the money or they get together the money to make it happen. And it's sort of like the, the, the top of the pile. But there are many, many producers underneath that. There can be, for example, in our show, there were story producers. So they were the ones that were responsible for that particular segment. Let's say we were testing lipstick. They were responsible for putting that together, for getting all the samples, for organizing locations. Then there's like a line producer in news. They decide where does which story go in a newscast. There's so many kinds of producers, uh, but basically they're the ones that not on their own, obviously, but sort of put the pieces together most often. Yeah. Mm. Or like kind of, yeah, the executive level. But again, you know, a lot of people want that producer title. And when you're watching a movie and there's like a thousand producers and like, what are they all doing? I actually don't even know. But <laughs> yeah. so when we were producers of our show and hosting it, 
our job was to, uh, we oversaw everything. We oversaw the hiring or on, on the upper level hiring. We, you know, okayed the budgets. Uh, we worked with the broadcaster. Yeah, we didn't, we, we oversaw every script and oversaw every decision as well, but we do, weren't necessarily on the phone, you know, calling whatever location to see if we could go shoot there. That was somebody else's job. Yeah. It makes me laugh that you say this because I had a fabulous professor one time and when studying film and we were watching like the credits roll up and he's like, yeah, so they all have, there's 26 with the same title, but let me just get into the politics of like who actually did what. And it was, it was hilarious to be honest. <laughs> yes. And a lot of the time I'm, I think in film and TV is that people ask for that producer credit mm-hmm. when they technically might not be a real producer or perhaps they've been on like you'll see an actor will get a producer credit they've been on the show for a long time they are integral to the show and the direction and I'm sure they have some uh, say and storylines and casting and all that so that's why they end up getting that producer credit that's very helpful and informative (laughs) so what did working on you know, a TV show and also your journalism background, what did that teach you and and help you prepare for when taking on the responsibility and and pursuing a PR career and also your Instagram influencer side as well? Well, everything, you know, again, in hindsight, it just looks like this straight road to where I am today. Uh, But it very much was not that. When we did 12 seasons of our TV shows. We had three in total. So in 2014, we decided that it was time to you know, do something else. And I, I, for one, really wanted to find a career that would sort of last me until the end of my working days. Because as we know, you know, TV is a very fickle business. And I didn't want to, you know, not work or to be thrown out. So I was like, what can I do that's going to carry me on for the rest of my working days? And I actually did not have an answer to that at all. So, and I, for about six months, um, maybe even a longer, I was quite lost and was, but was, you know, going out there, talking to people, taking people out for coffee. I kind of wanted other people to tell me what I should be next or that someone would miraculously come to me with this opportunity and a lot of people were like oh you're gonna be fine you're you know people know who you are you're gonna land on your feet don't worry don't worry and so I think I was just kind of waiting for this opportunity to land in my lap and that did not happen at all (laughs) so I the first thing I did was I was like, you know, I can't, I'm interested in social media. So this was like 2013, 2014. And I was like, um, I'm interested in it. I'm just going to take some classes because my fallback was always go back to school. When you don't know what to do, go back to school. That's so a great I, fallback. Yeah. And I, and I completely recommend it. And uh, it was a, an excellent decision on my part. I really enjoyed the classes. I went to UBC Continuing Ed and took a bunch of their social media classes. And after that, I convinced a couple of people that I know that I should do their social media. So I started doing that. That was, you know, a little bit piecemeal work. I wanted something a little bit bigger. And I started talking to some people and they were like, you should do PR. You could totally do PR. And I and I was like, 
I don't know anything about PR. How could I possibly do PR? And in journalism school, there was definitely like the broadcast students, there was the print media students, and then there was the PR students. And I was a broadcast student and we didn't like the PR people because right. PR we, was, wasn't real. Well, it's not journalism, right? So, but in my mind, it, it's the flip side of journalism. So you are becoming your mortal enemy is what you're yes. saying. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so when I was talking to people and I'd seen that so many people in the news business ended up going into PR and I talked to one woman and who, who did that and she was like, you totally have the skills. You don't realize you have the skills, but you do. So my very first PR sort of major client was the BCSPCA. And the reason that that happened was I was volunteering there in my, I don't know what to do. I went back to what, do what you love. I love animals. I'm going to go to the SPCA and volunteer. And at least like, I don't know, I'll clean cat cages and that will give me something to do while I figure this out. And when I met with them, they were like, well, maybe we can do something else with you as well. So I ended up joining um, one of, a board for a gala there and meeting some great people and a lot of people at the SPCA and became friendly with one of the women there. And I was also um, a spokesperson for one of their campaigns. And we started talking about PR and I said, yeah, I think that's what I want to do. And she said, well, basically they gave me a contract for a year to do PR for certain things and help with their existing PR team. And once I started doing it, I think I had the advantage of sometimes of if you don't know like the exact right way to do something, that can be a benefit because I was coming at it with different ideas. I don't know the way it's done traditionally. I just was like, let's do it this way. This is the way I would do it. This makes sense to me. I know media. I know a newsroom. I know reporters. I know what they expect. I know what they want to hear. I know how they want to be pitched. So I'm going to do it like this. So that really ended up working. And I you know, slowly got one client and then another and then another. And I think that's been a big advantage to me in that I had this news background and I not just know a lot of people in the industry because I've worked with them, but I've been on camera. So I help a lot of my clients with their on-camera performance. I've helped people who want to have their own TV shows. And I just, I think at the end of the day, all all of these jobs, um, these careers, whether you're in news, you're in PR, you're producing a TV show, you're telling stories. And I have always told stories. And this was just a different, a little bit of a different angle to storytelling. But at the end of the day, I'm still just telling stories. That's so well put. And I think, you know, in your bio, when you said that, you know, you know what journalists are going to pick up on based on what people are putting on social media, based on what people, like what story people are putting out there of themselves. I thought that was really well put because it's true. Seeing it from the other side, you, you just have such a, a creative outlook on PR that other people don't necessarily have if we're all taught the same things in school. For sure. And I think that working in TV and, and creating a show and creating these formats and where, you know, the sky was the limit in terms of how we wanted to do it. And that creativity has also served me really well, because you might not have that opportunity in journalism to be as creative, but sort of the two have fit so nicely together and really helped me in this PR career. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So how did you go from doing some PR work for the SBCA to making the decision, I'm actually going to start my own company? Well, I mean, when I say my own company, I do generally work on my own. I do have some freelancers that I bring on when I need. I also partner with other smaller PR firms when they need help on something, or I bring them in when I need help on something. So I I think that So after I left news and we started our production company, we had our own company. We had an office, but we both ended up working from home because the office was full (laughs) and because we were going to shoots and had to come home and change and whatever. I've always worked at home. um, So, and I haven't had like a traditional boss since like 1999. The step to have my own company was natural. I thought about, you know, maybe I should try to get a job at a PR firm or something like that. And that thought really freaked me out (laughs) because that's not my comfort zone. I am used to working on my own. I'm very motivated. I'm very work before play. So I wasn't worried about it. That's that was my comfort zone to to start out on my own. Yeah, absolutely. So once you had kind of the skill set of social media, like from school, did you feel like, was it really a natural transition? Did you feel like you were like fully equipped to do social media and do PR? Or was there anything that kind of surprised you that you learned quite quickly along the way? The thing about PR and social media that surprised me a little bit was how much the line is now blurring between those things and marketing. And you know, there's traditional sort of PR media relations. That's more of the pitching and the storytelling and convincing media to have your client on or tell their story. But there's a big portion of PR and obviously social media that's about marketing. So that was a bit of a learning curve and I'm still learning that. The classes that I took at UBC, one class was social media marketing. And just taking that class, I was learning all this link go that I had like I had I didn't know what a sales funnel was like I'd never heard that that's not my world I was from journalism right so that, like I go back again it's always good to go back to school but <laughs> it was very helpful and so there is that that marketing angle you know we don't like to think of it that way in PR but it is the lines are blurring and I often have to Uh, say, or people are like, what about this? What if we take this ad or that ad ad out? And I'm like, well, I don't really do that. Like, that's not really what PR is. But I think part of being your own boss and being flexible and these times that we live in, and you have to be flexible, I often will say, you know, I'm saying no less and less because I just need to make it work, you know, and if the the direction is that the client needs some marketing help and they don't have anyone else to ask, then I will figure it out and I will help support that. I don't think it's the time to say no to things like that, considering, you know, where we are in 2020. And then social media so much of, I mean, essentially is marketing or promoting PR. I mean, it's all a big mishmash, right? All same sides of a multi-sided coin. (laughs) I know. I always, my grandparents are like, what, what do you do? And I'm like a bit, it's marketing, it's communications. I was like, I'm online. (laughs) They're like, okay. I was like, you can find me. Google, Google, just Google me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
I I am curious to know what your perspective is. Like, wh- where do you, how do you distinguish marketing from PR now when everything's kind of getting a little blurred? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a big question. PR is more about getting in front of the public and presenting a story or creating a positive image in the public. And that sounds kind of like, oh, creating a positive image, like that's some dirty spin, but it's more like, you know, and I think a lot of people think that about PR, but it's not that it can be, you know, a lot of my clients, you know, are restaurants and interior designers. There's no like dirty spin here. It's that I want the public to know about this restaurant and, and I need to, you know, get their name out there so that we can grow their business and I can support their small business or medium sized business or what have you. Marketing is, and I generally do that in, un, I don't pay to get in front of those eyeballs. I don't pay to get in general. That's changing a lot as it is. See you nodding your head. Marketing is more, more advertising uh, and, and paid promotion in order to reach those goals. Yeah. Kind of a general. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that resonates with me. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of changes with that and there's a lot of sponsored content now that's definitely blurring the line between PR and marketing or kind of what we call brand journalism. Yeah, absolutely. I think social media and how quickly it is changing is totally redefining where these categories, like what those distinctions are. I I completely agree on that front. And yeah, I, I find that some people nowadays, like people who are so clearly in marketing or the other are kind of, there's all these slashes now in their titles and they just keep yeah. getting longer. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> And I think that's one aspect of PR that's also changed in the last little while to do with social media is a lot of, or some of what we do is we do a lot of influencer relations. So um, we partner with influencers in order to get the word out about said product, store, restaurant, service, what have you. And it's funny for me because I'm on both sides of that coin. So I, in PR, I work with influencers in order to forge those relationships, but I'm also an influencer. I mean, I don't love that word. No one does. And so I have PR people come to me and want that as well. So it's really, really handy to be on both and understand. I mean, it's not a super defined area of business because we're all still finding our way but it's just really interesting to be on both sides of it and to be learning from both sides in that way yeah i'm curious to know like when you started social media what was your relationship like with the app then compared to how you use it now oh boy (laughs) (laughs) did i just open pandora's box (laughs) i know i'm like I'm a bit worried to discuss my relationship with Instagram. Um, It's a love-hate relationship, really. No, um, when I started, you know, it it was just a fun thing and you just post pictures of whatever. And I was always interested in style and fashion, like quote-unquote lifestyle. And we did actually, one of our shows was called Anna and Christina's Beauty Call, which was about fashion and beauty. So That was a fun show to do, but so definitely an an area of interest and very different from everything else that I'm doing. And a friend of mine convinced me like a couple of years ago, she's like, oh, you see these Instagrammers and they're like, they're posting their outfits all the time. You have great style and you have great clothes. You should do that. And I'm like, no, no one will. 
follow me or, you know, no one cares. And she talked me into it. And she's like, what? She's actually a photographer and a makeup person. So she's like, I'm going to do your makeup. We're going to take some great pictures. It's You're going to love it. It's going to be great. And way back now, I did some modeling. Okay. Before I went, like when I was at UBC doing my undergraduate degree. And so I always had a little bit of that in the background too. And that was, you know, it was a fun, odd industry to be in. So I kind of wove that back in again and started, you know, doing fashion related posts. And it was, you know, slow. And my goal was to get to 10,000 followers because at 10,000, you get that swipe up feature. Oh, right. I forgot that was the number. Yeah. yeah. That's, like the, that's like the Charlie's factory <laughs> ticket. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You're like, I'm now good. I don't have to jump through hoops. <laughs> exactly. And my friend was always like, oh, it's a game changer. Once you get the 10,000, it's going to be a game changer. And I'm like, okay. So I actually just finally got to 10,000 this year. And I don't know if it's a game changer, but um, so, you know, it's, I do have a love hate relationship with it because and I have to go back to why I started, that it's fun. It's a different outlet for me. It's more of a kind of a creative outlet. I've learned a lot about, you know, photography. I take a lot of my own photos now, photo editing, the marketing I'm learning and like how Instagram works and how to, you know, make the most of it because I you apply that knowledge when I help my clients. So on, on that front, it's good. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And if I were to calculate that time and put a number to my hours, <laughs> it would not have been worth it. Yeah. Um, but and I also, you know, sometimes and less so now. I think once I got to the ten thousand, is that I was getting quite wrapped up in. Oh my god, I lost three followers today. What did I do wrong? Like, why are the? Why am I not getting more? Why does this person have so many? And it wasn't so much of like FOMO. Um, fear of missing out or, or the envy of watching other people in terms of what their life was. It was more their numbers that were getting to me. And now I've, you know, I've let that go. Cause it's like, I'm like, seriously, you know, I talk to myself all the time and I'm like, this is your biggest problem. You know, <laughs> this is not your biggest problem. So worry about something more important. And I just try to go back to the fun part of it. And I think actually reels helped with that when reels came out because I love editing and I, you know, obviously have a TV production background as we've discussed. So that sort of editing storytelling element was brought to life. I mean, I do some IGTV, but it was just fun. Another fun tool to use reels and make fun little videos that added some of that joy back into the process again. Absolutely. No, I can tell. I love your reels. They're super fun. I was like, oh, this is very handy advice. Thank you very much. Like taking notes. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, that's fantastic. And and yeah, I think that is true. It's, it. you know, social media is so time consuming. I remember I've, you know, worked lots in, in social media and I had someone kind of say like, oh yeah, it doesn't take that much time. That's not, that's not that much. And I kind of was like, you know, I don't know how to explain this without just like handing you the reins and seeing how you do. <laughs> People have no idea. And I always tell clients this Instagram or in social media is a very hungry monster mm -hmm. that eats through your content at an insane rate. Yeah. And you have to keep feeding the monster. <laughs> or it will die yes and people yeah they don't appreciate you know I have one client they had 
like a big bank of photos. And I was so excited in the beginning because I had all this content to use. And then, you know, a year later, I'm like, oh my, you know, I'm running out of content. We need new content. It's never, ever enough. And it's so much work to produce. And, and the, the content's getting better and better out there as well. So, you know, there was a little bit of a movement to the sort of more raw style, but I think that we're kind of back at the great shots, the beautifully lit everything, especially if you're a brand or a business, you need to be that in order to stand out and look professional. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, it's so true. I was just saying to a client the other day, I was like, yeah, so we, we need some more photos. I'll set you up with some photographers. It's, it's yeah. time. And they were like, really? I thought we had, I was like, yeah, we had 20 photos and that's like, it's, it's time. <laughs> yeah. We are the same thing from a slightly different angle. So we can only use one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. that's why, you know, it, it was probably super helpful too, having gone to school because then you probably look at it and and are able to apply this creativity to it about like how can I use this like small piece of content like 10 different ways because that's a whole other side to it too is like maximizing what you have and and you know just yeah feeding the beast as much as you can with the- exactly. yeah <laughs> yeah the <hungry> beast <laughs> well, but it's fun I've had a lot of fun doing it and I've met some interesting people through it so yeah we'll see you know I don't know and it's so funny. The funniest thing about social media to me uh, from what my side of what I'm doing is that people will say like friends or my, my mom will be like, you spend so much time on there. And I'm like, but not in the way that you think. Yeah. I'm not necessarily scrolling through, through the feeds. I'm like studying it. I'm like looking at like different, I'm looking at my analytics. I'm planning things. I'm planning my shoots. I'm planning the time. I'm like forging partnerships and relationships. So it's not sitting, scrolling through your Instagram feed. It's a lot more than that. Absolutely. A lot of work and a lot of, you know, people who are doing it well, there's a lot of thought and a business know-how applied to it. Yeah, definitely. That's something I had a guest on a little while ago, Sandy, who's just a fantastic artist. And we were having a conversation about Instagram and basically saying like that kind of that constant conversation with yourself about, okay, what's my intention for being on here right now? And I think that is the case with a lot of artists and entrepreneurs. It's like, oh, this is very intentional. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's, Yeah. yeah, that's a great way to put it. You have to ask yourself that, especially when it gets hard or you get down and so, yeah, that's why I go back to the, this is fun. This is for me. Yeah. I'm doing this for me. Like now, you know, that I have some followers and people who are interested and send me lovely feedback and ask questions. Now it's a little bit like, okay, well, a little bit for them too. I need to give them what I think, you know, right. Not what I think they need, but you know, I they, I supply content that I think will interest them as well. But at the end of the day, I'm doing it for myself. And also it, it has led to some opportunities and sort of feeds into that, thing that that I started out with which is you know the being on on camera uh, being a reporter then being a tv host it's sort of that in front of the camera piece that's missing for me a little bit in PR and that's why I have been doing this I mean I do uh, some little things like I'll do the odd tv segment a lifestyle segment I do some acting and I'm in commercials and things like that so I I do people say oh do you miss you know having your tv show do you miss being on camera I do a little bit but I have these little 
pockets of work that I still do to keep my foot in that door because I still I still enjoy it. Yeah. Well, you know, you have that performer side to you, right? And so I think like once an actress or or once a performer, you kind of always are. And those are the conversations I've had certainly with people I went to school with where at different points, if they're not necessarily doing their art form for work, it's like, okay, well, where are you getting that creative energy from? Like what's feeding you right now creatively? Yes. And I think that that's so important. And certainly Instagram used very intentionally can absolutely be that for people. And it's a way of connecting with other like-minded people and, and, you know, creating a community as you have with your following. And as much as you do this, obviously for pleasure, for your, for your own, is your own creative outlet. I imagine that it did impact in one way or another your business. So what was that impact like? And have you gotten a lot of clients through your influencer relations per se? Uh, I'm not sure if I've gotten clients through it, but it's definitely helped me with the clients that I'm working with. Just knowing, yeah, I've tried that. That doesn't work. We need to do this. This really works or, you know, or yeah, just through my experience, my successes and failures on it, the amount of time I spent on, on social media, reading about it, seeing what's new is definitely been something I can pass on to my work with my clients. So yeah, and also just photography and you know what sort of images work well and things like that or yeah we all gotta start doing reels now quick because they're getting more visibility right now and that's gonna stop so everybody needs to do reels yeah that sort of thing right yeah it's just so funny night when you not necessarily look back but look now at my career it's like all of these things have fed into each other and have helped support different uh, aspects of my career but I guess it's not that surprising because it's not like you know one day I was a surgeon and the next day I was an artist there it was all related but it all it, it has all worked together fed into each other and yeah I learned from each aspect and, and passed that on to clients yeah well it's it's funny because I, I think that's a big part of why you inspired me and I really wanted to have a conversation with you was because certainly when I was I studied creative writing at university. And when I was going through school, you know, all my peers were like, I'm going to be a writer. And it was very like, and this is the type of story I'm going to write. You know, it was a set path. And uh, when people would ask me, be like, oh, I currently haven't seen you in a while. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? But my response was always, uh, so I have some Lego blocks and like, I'm not sure what the structure is going to be, but like we're building it. <laughs> That is a great and very mature way to answer that question. I've often said that you have when you that you need to put out what you want to do into the into the universe. So when I started in PR, I in the beginning I was a little bit like I didn't want to say I'm doing PR because people would be like what do you know about PR? Didn't you have a TV show, right? And so then I was like no, you got to say it, you got to own it, you got to put it out there. I'm a public relations consultant. And I, so you have to put it out there or you're not going to get it back. But the second thing that I find very important is that you have to say it to the universe in a certain way. If you say, I want to be a writer, or I said, I want to be on TV. That was like, I, I, from when I was little, I wanted to be an actor. And then I said, I want to have my own show. But I, in my head, like I, I wanted to be on a comedy, like on a sitcom when I was, you know, seven, eight years old or whatever. And I did end up having my 
uh, my own show, no complaints there, but it wasn't exactly what I had envisioned. So if you say, I want to be a writer, you better be specific about what kind of writer you are, because you might end up like at the ad agency being a writer and you'll be like, wait a minute, did I want to do this? Right. <laughs> I said writer, I didn't mean this. So you got to be specific and intentional with your goals and what you put out into the universe. That is such good advice because that's so true. I mean, I think it's a lot of people can go at it, like you said, with that example of being a writer. And it's like writing is everywhere. Like, what do you want to write? If you get specific, then the right people will say, actually, I I know someone or you should talk to so-and-so and get that dialogue going and maybe go on the right path instead of (laughs) heading the wrong direction. I had another example of that because I also love reading and I read voraciously as a kid and I was like well I would like to read for a living like I don't know an editor or whatever I'm like yeah I'm reading for a living like that's my favorite thing to do that would be the best and then one day it dawned on me as I was sitting in the news desk reading the teleprompter I am reading for a living this is not what I meant though <laughs> you were like it's interesting the teleprompter doesn't sound like Harry Potter but yeah, exactly. I, work with it. <laughs> I, I am reading that's what I said I wanted and here I am reading yeah, yeah. no it's so true and I, I think with a lot of jobs like people just see on TV they wouldn't necessarily assume that but it's interesting how yeah no I am reading this is a teleprompter <laughs> like this is yeah. what I asked for yeah, yeah. that is hilarious uh <laughs> one thing that we did talk a little bit about before this interview was partnering with brands. And a lot of people might not know what that necessarily looks like. Can you tell people a little bit about perhaps even with your personal Instagram, like how that all comes about and and what that looks like on the app itself? How that comes about is a very good question. A lot, especially in the beginning of the brand partnerships that I have had, I have gone after myself because I'm good at approaching people and pitching people and, you know, framing, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do for you and this is how much it's going to cost or and this is how it'll work. So, um, and they, a lot of them, not a lot of them, but some were like, okay, let's try it. A brand partnership is when obviously you work with a brand to promote their brand on Instagram, whether that's a destination, a restaurant, a clothing, or what have you, or a service. I have you know, made a policy, I think back from my shopping bag days, is that we were asked then to be brand ambassadors for certain things. And we said no, unless, first of all, we wanted to be objective during the course of the shopping bags and we didn't want to be aligned with any particular product. But later on over the years, it was, if I didn't believe in the product, then I was not going to align myself with that brand. So I stuck to that today and um, I will promote the, the products, the locations I've worked with, um, like for example, different business associations, you know, the Fourth Avenue Business Association and promoting the different stores there and as a place to shop because I live close by and I go there all the time and I love it and I want to promote it and I want to help them. A lot, I think that the brand promotion, sorry, the brand affiliations can come um, in many different ways. A lot of the time you'll see this on a post. So this is how it presents itself on Instagram is that, you know, not everyone does this, but if you're a good influencer and you follow the kind of written rules, though they're not really written anywhere, you need to tell your audience when you are being paid 
or when you have received something for free. So if you are being paid for something, let's say they send you a pair of jeans and they're going to pay you to do a post, you need to write hashtag ad. Spon people use sponsored, which is, I mean, the, the, the industry is going more and more towards no ad, say ad. Nobody wants to say ad, but you need to say this is an ad. Then if you're given something and you have not been paid to post about it, but let's say you were given those jeans and then they said, you know, if you like them, if you could do a post, that would be swell. Then a lot of people write gifted so that the audience knows that that was given as a gift, but I wasn't necessarily paid to do that. But most of the time, if you are given something, there is that understanding that you will post something about it. If you're given something that doesn't like super fit with your feed and what you're about, then a lot of people will put that in stories instead. So, I mean, it's a great, from a PR perspective, it's a really great tool. You know, I think back when I was younger and I used to buy so many magazines. And even though I, I do, I still buy magazines because they're important to PR. We need magazines and I love magazines. But for some things, like I now turn to Instagram to get, you know, some fashion inspiration, for example, um, in addition to the magazines. So it does provide a very valuable you know, service for companies. It's like you have these influencers who have all these eyeballs on them and you want them to help spread the word. And, you know, are we, especially today, are we in the stores? Not so much. You know, unfortunately, magazine sales are down because I think in part, people are going to social media to get more information, to, you know, to see ads and that kind of thing. So did that explain that? Did I long-windedly answer that? But yeah, so there's a few ways to build those brand partnerships. And but unfortunately now, you know, I, um, people are coming to me and asking if I will, you know, check out their whatever. I am going to say that part of the, a big part of the reason why I started to do the Instagram fashion feed is because I am now in my 50s and when I started two years ago, I felt like we were my age group was underrepresented online. And I, you know, I look around at my friends, we have money, a lot of us were, I'm talking about we as a demographic, you know, we're, you know, established, uh, we have, you know, we, we can shop, uh, we like to shop, we have disposable income. Why are we not being marketed to? Why am I not seeing myself on the Instagram feed or people like me? Now that has changed a bit. But so a big part of it was that it's like, you know what, I'm still into fashion. I know I'm old by Instagram standards and social media standards, but there are a lot of people like me out there who are on this thing and we need to be represented too. So a lot of it was about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think representation like across the board, it's so important. And I also think that even young people using the app, like I am not necessarily uh, inspired by someone's fashion because of how they look. You know, I'm inspired because of their creativity, because of like their passion, because of how they're showing up on the app. And I think that, uh, you know, the the big guys out there <laughs> like to tell us differently, but it's not, that's not the reality. And I think that's fantastic that you were like, lack of representation. I'm passionate. Let's go. Let's do this yeah. because we need more of that. For sure. Yeah. In many, many areas, not just old ladies. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Although you are not old, my gosh. <laughs> you know, a lot of people who do listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs themselves and aspiring to do much like what you have done with your career. What is one piece of advice that you can impart on small businesses about how they should be showing up online right now? Well, number one, you should be showing up online right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, that, you know, we don't want to do that. We don't understand it. We don't have time for that. It's just really important. I think that, I think when you're looking up anything, so many things, a business or, you know, not all businesses lend themselves to Instagram, for example, but it's like, it's a research tool now. So I go to Instagram, I go to Facebook, I go to Google my business, also online, a little bit different than the other social media, but um, that's where people do their research. That's where they get their recommendations. They, They see a friend or someone they consider a friend, someone they follow, recommend something or mention something. This is also the new water cooler. This is how information is being passed around. So um, it is something that is important to invest in. But I understand the pain point of this because you don't see the returns quickly or directly. So it's hard. It's like a, a cost of doing business that you today just kind of have to pay. And there's different levels of paying and, you know, different, you can spend, you can hire, do it yourself or hire someone to spend one hour a week on social media, or you can literally spend eight hours a day on your social media, but it is, you know, imperative to be on there. Like I said, maybe not every single type of business lends itself to that, but it is such an important research tool and, and your customers are on there. So yeah. if you want to reach your customers or you need to be there as well. Yeah, that's really great advice. And uh, I mean, just within the marketing world, I mean, people literally consider Pinterest a search engine now. Like, yeah. you know, so social media, it starts off as social media. And like you said, it is transforming into search engines. And that's how people are doing their research. For sure. And I think that another point is for maybe there's so many different kinds of social media out there right now, and you don't need to do every single one. That is too much for pretty much anyone, unless you're, I don't know, Apple or Nike, but, you know, pick the ones that work best for your business and then focus on those. I am not on TikTok yet because I was like, I cannot handle another platform right now. I can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. I just said no until I felt like there were more people like my age on it. (laughs) It was like, there was a lot of 13 year olds and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) Yes. I, I mean, it always starts that way. Right. And then the older people get in on it, but yeah. So I think focus on a cup, a few, maybe three and, and maybe, you know, don't forget about LinkedIn. I think that's the one that we often do forget about, but it's much better suited for some types of businesses. That's great advice. And I think that is an awesome place to end off. Thank you so, so much, Christina, for this conversation. It was so informative. And I know a lot of people are just going to really, really love it and learn a lot. Where can people learn more about you if they want to get in touch or if they want to learn about your business? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. This has been really fun. Uh, They can reach me or learn about me 
two different places for my PR work, um, my website, kmcreative.ca, or Instagram is Christina Matissic Creative. And for my more fashion, lifestyle-y side of me, <laughs> I have another website, christinamatissic.com, and on social media, at Christina Matissic. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's the end of this episode of Suited Up. Thanks so much for listening. For more information, follow Suited Up Podcast on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review this podcast. See you next time. 